Welcome to another episode of Unapologetic. I'm Will Posnan. I'm joined by my co-host, Las Vegas Aces Center, Kia Stokes. Hello, hello. And uh, last week we started with some some negativity around the Brooklyn Nets, and I'm sure we'll get to that. But let's start this one off on a positive note. What's been your favorite playoff series so far? Um, Memphis and yes. Minnesota. I that shit is amazing. <laughs> it's really, really good. Um, I've enjoyed it. Haven't been able to watch full games, obviously. You know, like I said, the time difference. But the highlights, what I see, just the – it's just so stupid to say. But, like, the Instagrammable moments, I think, mm-hmm. are incredible. All the shit talking, I think it's hilarious. Um, I think it's really, really entertaining. You know, they got the protesters coming on the court, too. It's a lot going <laughs> on. But very, very, very entertaining. <laughs> no, it is. it is crazy, like – Quarter to quarter, it is such a different vibe. Like, there'll be one quarter where both teams, since they're young, like, both teams will play perfect. Another quarter where both teams will play super sloppy. They'll have one quarter where a protester goes onto the court and glues himself to the court. Another quarter where Cat and Jaws' dads are taking selfies on the sideline. Like, moment to moment, that's you really only have to watch the highlight reels in the fourth quarters because it almost doesn't make sense watching the game the whole way through. Like I was watching the game and in the beginning, they're talking about the protester and trying to avoid it. And then a quarter later, the dads are like dapping up after every basket. It's just, it's the best series in a while. It is. It is really, really good and entertaining. And I think we just need, we needed that, you know, the other series, you know, is a little, one series really just really disappointing. So I feel like I'm taking my energy and focusing on Memphis and Minnesota just to lighten the mood. You know, I'm going to watch some, for the most part, good basketball, like you said. Sometimes it gets a little eh. But overall, the games are really, really entertaining, which is great to watch. No, it is funny. Like, it is, there's some very, very high level basketball being played in that series, but there will also be sequences where it looks like a six year old's game where it's like, Turnover on one end, crazy turnover on the like five turnovers in a row. And then some like even the um right before Ja hit the game winner, um Ja got they got a basket off of like just a crazy turnover sequence where like Ja took a crazy shot, a couple turnovers, and then Ja got past the ball right next to the basket. Just he was the only one standing there, like a cherry picker in a recess game. <laughs> It happens. It happens. You know, they're all this for the most part that, you know, Memphis is a young team. So I feel you're going to have those mistakes, those errors. They don't have a lot of playoff experience. So this is pretty good for them, I think. And to be they're doing both, so well. And then they're both young, but they both also have that great veteran leader. Like Minnesota's got Pat Bev, and then Memphis mm-hmm. has Steven Adams and Dylan Brooks. So it really is great because they have the young vibe but then they also have the presence on the court to be like okay remember let's stay and both teams will refocus that's the best part is like both teams will lose their mind for a moment but then they will refocus and it's just it's amazing it's like watching the movie creed like he's down he's out oh (laughs) memphis is back and it's crazy yeah, it is good and unpredictable. I just feel like I can't wait to see what happens next. <laughs> it's gonna. You want to predict else. it? Who do you think? Who do you have? I bet we have different teams. Um, I'm going Memphis. I'm going Minnesota. Oh, why? For what? Okay, so I think that when Cat is hitting its his three pointer, which he almost always is, it's just such an imbalance in terms of like Minnesota can just do more because 
Jaron Jackson Jr. hasn't been hitting his three-pointers like this whole series. So that's kind of messed up Memphis's spacing. So when Cat's hitting his three-pointer, like they're just getting so many points from their front court when Cat's hitting that shot that as long as Anthony Edwards and D'Lo and the you know the Minnesota guards approximate the production of the Memphis guards, I feel like when Cat's scoring, Minnesota should be winning all those games. I think they should have won game five. They just kind of fucked it up on a couple of key sequences. I mean, you're not wrong, but this is also playoff basketball, so you never know. Of course, if uh, Carl Anthony Towns is scoring, they're probably going to win. Or if he can make his threes, the space is going to be a lot better. Like, of course, but is he going to do that? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like Memphis is in his head now. Like, I feel like, you know, the little shit talking. The I don't know. I just think it's – I think there's more to it than just a basketball aspect. I think you got to take in everything. At least that's how I feel. So I'm going for Memphis. I feel like they got it. And John Moran's got, like, low-key going crazy. I, mean, I love both teams. Had, do you think he had dunk of the year the other night? Or the thing is, if he didn't have dunk of the year then, he had it nine other times. Like the top ten <laughs> list this year for dunks is one Miles Bridges dunk and nine John Morant dunks. That is like no one else is even in that conversation. Maybe Ant has one, but like there's eight John Morant dunks in the top ten. Yeah, it's he's really a freak of nature, like athletic wise. It's crazy. If I was playing against him, I would just get out the way. Like, <laughs> unless I'm going to try to go up and challenge him, which if I was playing an NBA as a shop, like I probably would. Um, and you, you do take that risk of getting dunked on, but I feel like, you know, you can't just let him go, right? I they don't asked him, I don't want to be on a poster, so. Yeah. <laughs> they asked him if he could dunk on anyone in the league who he would want to dunk on, and he said he'd want to dunk on LeBron. And he said if you if he dunks on LeBron – then when you open the door to his home, the first thing you're going to see is that photo blown up of him dunking on LeBron. And they asked him if he could dunk on anyone ever, who he would dunk on, and he said MJ. And he's like, who wouldn't want to dunk on MJ? <laughs> Meanwhile, all of MJ's contemporaries who are like, oh, when basketball was basketball, they would all be terrified to dunk. They would take a scoop layup if they had the chance to dunk on MJ. So, you know. Man, that would be... If he would get to dunk on LeBron, that would be crazy. That's just a highlight. Like, who doesn't want to do that? The best basketball player of his generation, you get to dunk on him? Like, that's – I mean, I would want that too. I want to dunk on LeBron. I want to dunk He's on gonna. too. He's going to yeah. dunk on LeBron next year. And in three years, he'll probably dunk on LeBron and Bronny at the same time. In the same game. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to have them back-to-back as soon as you walk into the house. Like, yep, that's LeBron and that's Bronny. So – LeBron's Bronny's little brother is going to be on the sidelines worried he's going to get dunked on next. <laughs> I mean, he better watch out. Anybody can get it. I feel like that's John's attitude. Anybody can get it. Just get out the way. He's taking flight. I respect it, though. And it's it puts everyone else on notice. Like, I mean, we all knew he's athletic. He can dunk. He can finish and get to the rim. Like, nobody's questioning that. But I don't think people understood, like, understand how hard and how tough that is to stop. Like, unless you literally mm -hmm. go up and try to foul him. Like, it's pretty incredible. And for a guard. Like, what guards are really doing it like he's doing it? No, it's crazy. He, I mean, he jumps, like, five inches higher than you think he's going to go every time. Every time yeah. he goes higher than you. And he's John Morant, so you imagine him going unrealistically high up in the air. And he's still always higher up. But Ant, Ant same thing. Anthony Edwards on the Timberwolves. Like, you you know he's going to go up high, and then he goes up higher than you can imagine. So that leads me to my next question, which is 
I mean, when I'm watching these this series, I'm like, are these the two best teams in the West? Like with Devin Booker hurt, are these the two best teams in the West? Uh, what what do you think about that? Uh, I don't know. It's tough to say. I mean, including injuries, which is a part of the game. I think they might, but I don't know if I give it to them just yet. I don't know. It's I mean, you got Golden State, but Golden State, Golden State's been beating the Nuggets, but people forget like the Nuggets are missing their second best player and their third best player. Like yeah. it's no, it's not impressive to me that Golden State is beating them. Like last year when Golden State was missing their second and third best player, they were a play-in team. So, mm-hmm. and then you got the Suns who without Devin Booker, I think they're going to get past the Pelicans, but it's not like a lock. Yeah, I, I mean, know. I think they'll get past the Pelicans too. But how long is Booker out? How long do they say? It's like three. If three if he rushes it, he'll be back like around this time next week or or later next week. But it's supposed to be a four to six week injury. He's going to try to come back in two and a half weeks. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, without Booker, I don't know if the Suns is going to make it out the West. I really don't. But you know, as much of I don't want to say I'm not a fan of Golden State. Um, but I do think that when they're also there's a cooking, like they're really good, regardless of who they're playing against now. It's they're still the team to beat, I think, coming out the West, regardless of they're playing a team with their, you know, injuries and stuff. Everyone has injuries, everyone has to play through it. So I don't know. Do you think that Memphis or Minnesota's beating Golden State in a series? That's right what now? I every time I watch a game from the series and then I flip over and I watch, you know, the Nuggets and the Warriors, I'm like I feel like right now, both Memphis and Minnesota would both beat Golden State in a seven-game series. Like, I just, that's really? what I, because I just, the same thing with what we just talked about with Minnesota, where it's like, I don't see how Golden State is going to come close to matching that production from the centers and forwards that Minnesota has. And I know that Steph can light it up and Clay can light it up and Jordan Poole, but still you can only have two of those guys on the court at the same time. And, you know, Anthony Edwards has been getting buckets like crazy. And I feel like it's like prime Dwayne Wade. Like, how are you going to stop him? He's going to get 35 every play. Don't you think the experience of golden state is going to help them maintain consistency throughout the game? Like you're saying how, their games now are kind of up and down, but they, you know, do refocus. But you don't think Golden State has the experience to stay consistent. And then when Memphis or Minnesota would kind of be on the little downward slope in a game, don't you think Golden State would ramp it up? Like, that's – I just feel like experience True. would kind of take over. But that's why I feel series. like Dylan Brooks and Pat Bev are such a big deal for these teams because they do refocus them. And I also just – you know, when I watch Minnesota, I'm like – Cat is going to drop 40 on Draymond. Like, Draymond is one of the best defenders ever, but his exact kryptonite is somebody like Cat who can just hang out <laughs> at the three-point line and just shoot yeah. over him every play. And Drake uh, can't help as much, you know, off a of big man that can shoot. Yeah, so gonna... I don't know. I mean, this year, maybe it's close, but moving forward, I it, it kind of this series kind of makes me feel like this is Phoenix's window and this is Golden State's window because next year, Minnesota, Memphis, and Denver are going to be even better. And I don't think any other team in the West can improve at that rate. Like, yeah, what every every time I watch this series, I'm like, 
if Devin Booker stays hurt, these are the two best teams in the in the West, and whoever comes out of this series is going to is is going to you know at least go to the Western Conference Finals and go to go to seven with whoever. I, we'll see, but so do you yeah. think any of those two teams have a chance of winning the whole thing? If you think they're you know the best in the West, it could be you know the top teams in a seven game series. So are they taking the whole thing? One of those two teams. Um, so I think that Minnesota's exact kryptonite is a team like Milwaukee or Miami that is hyper physical all game all the time. Um, but I, I could see uh, I could see Minnesota beating a team like Boston in the finals if Boston were to be the team that they played. I think Memphis can beat anybody. Now I I also still feel like. Devin Booker, if if Phoenix can survive till Devin Booker comes back, I mean, at the beginning of the playoffs, I thought it was going to be Heat Suns in the finals. I still feel that way. Um, and when but we only talk, if Booker is healthy, only if Booker is healthy. Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, that's that's their best player at the end of the day. And I think people sleep on Aiden. Nobody sleeps on Chris Paul, but I think people sleep on Aiden a lot. Um, like I thought he should have been the third team all NBA center, or at least in that conversation, if you're, you know, especially if you're going to put like Jokic and Embiid both on first team together. So you're really carrying four centers then, Mm -hmm. and you're going to have Towns as your second team. Then I, you know, I think Bam and Aiden are the guys that I would think about for my third team. But I think most people had either Gobert and some people had Draymond as that third team center. But yeah, I think that, Without Devin Booker, there's no way that the Suns would be. I, I don't know who they're slated to play next. I think it would be. Uh, I think it would be Golden State. So, yeah. To answer your question, um, <laughs> and I also think without Devin Booker, there is a chance that the Pelicans do upset them. Especially, I mean, people. You know, it would be crazy if the Pelicans had gotten Zion back. You know, Zion wanted to play. Bad. Zion wanted to play. And if you could just drop Zion in this Pelicans team, I actually think that they would have beat the Devin Booker-less Suns. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. That's tough. <laughs> he makes a big difference. And without Booker, is also a big difference. So anything is possible. But I don't know. I still think – I still feel like the Suns are going to come out. I feel like they're going to make it through. Booker's going to get back. And I think the – uh, I don't know. It's tough to say. It really just depends on when he gets back. But I also feel bad because hamstrings are kind of a big deal. You can't just force it. You can't rush it. Like, everything takes time. So, who knows? But mm, we'll see. Everybody, a lot of people at least, have a lot of faith in the Warriors. For me, the big issue is just, like, they're getting no points from Andrew Wiggins. So, when those jump shots start, like, stop falling, when – Basically, when they start getting the same treatment that Miami gave Trey Young, where it's like, yeah, we're going to punish your guards. Like, we know that they're going to score, but they also, we're going to play them incredibly physically and we're just going to get fouls called on us. Like, when you, when the Warriors face that and the opportunities are there for the forwards and for Draymond to actually score. I just I don't have faith in that. And when the Warriors were winning championships, they had Harrison Barnes who could score, and then they had KD who could go for fifty. So 
I just <laughs> casual I, 50. <laughs> yeah, for real. And I, I just, I don't see it. I mean, I, I know people are very happy with uh, how they're handling business against the Nuggets, but this is a Nuggets team that is so incomplete. So I just, I'm not, I don't, I'm actually less optimistic about the Warriors after this series than I was going into it. Really? Ah, I don't know. Like I said, I know experience is, it's a lot. It means a lot, especially in playoff times. But when teams are going to be more physical, you know, with the guards of Golden State, it will kind of take a toll. And let's be honest, Steph's not the best defender. So if they attack him and make him work on offense and defense, it would be tricky for them. But I don't know. It's still, I feel like you just can't take this series into account. Like, yeah, they're playing a team that's a little hurt, a little injured. They just get the kinks out now, and then they're really going to turn it up for the next round. So on the East, who do you, who do you have as the as the favorite for the East right now? Um well, I'm really mad. But we don't yeah, let's talk about that. about that first. So <laughs> yeah, I mean we're both so we're both upset. Uh how, how heartbroken sweats, are you? Bro, sweat <laughs> It's one thing to lose, which is already not what I wanted to happen. But then to get swept and the only team to get swept. Yeah, Come on. like I saw a tweet that was like, "Yeah, the Nuggets, Brooklyn is the only team that not won a game in the postseason this year." I'm like, "Dang, the only team." So, and um, and the way that it happened too, where it was literally like, and we might have Ben Simmons as the savior who can guard Tatum coming back game four, and then six hours before game four, oh yeah, it's literally like can't play. <laughs> it's literally like you got the person drowning in the ocean, and the lifeguard is driving. Like, well, we got a lifeguard on the way. And then the lifeguard just takes a turn and goes to McDonald's. And the guy just drives. No, he took a wrong turn. He's not going to be available. It's um, just, just, you know, they were dealing with a lot this year, you know, with the part-time player and then James Harden trying to get out and then Ben Simmons not playing. Just, you know, a lot of things in general. I Mm -hmm. feel like it was too late to try to put it together. But at the end of the day, like you have, two very, very skilled players that are, you know, the head of the team that should have played better in playoffs. So it is kind of disappointing, um, but hopefully they take it as a learning experience. I mean, Kevin Durant's going off on Twitter, which I think is hilarious. Like, I'm all for it. Like, do what you got to do. You're an adult. You're grown. You got millions and millions of dollars. Do what you need to do. I think it's funny how fans are responding to him and saying, you need to get off Twitter and get in the gym. I'm like, bro, they just lost. Like, he's not about to be in the gym right now. Season don't start till October. Let him have a break. So also, it's just, it's he's funny. He's not the problem to me. That is the one thing that Mm-mm. I think that the world, or like especially the media world, is getting wrong about this series. Is he's not the problem? And even with Kyrie, like, I mean, obviously, I'm the biggest Kyrie apologist, but Kyrie is also <laughs> like a known qual, uh, known quantity to me. Where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Kyrie is going to be up and down in every in every single way. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the problem was a combination of the waiting and hoping in regards to Ben Simmons that I think mm-hmm. proved to be a real distraction. And then to me, it's like rim protection. Like that's what, when whenever they were playing um, Blake or really all of their bigs, like they just didn't have that, that linchpin to their defense when it wasn't KD. And KD can't do everything for this team all the time. I think the yeah. the other thing is that you can't have $40 million, $50 million on the bench not playing and compete for a championship. That's the big lesson. So 
if Ben Simmons yeah. and Joe Harris are not um, ready for playoff basketball by the all-star break in next year, then they should not be on this team like that. It's, it's like, it's a crazy handicap to give this team to be like, Hey, $50 million of your cap won't contribute at all. It, yeah, it's just really tough. I feel like they should have not focused as much, like you, like you said, on Ben Simmons. Is he or is he not going to play? I feel like they should have assumed he wasn't going to play. And then if he was able to join, then kind of readjust. But I feel like there's too many, oh, maybe if we wait for him to do this, or maybe he'll be ready for this. And I think it takes away from what they should have been doing. And it's just so sad because, like, how you get sweat, bro? Well, like, the I'm other so thing sad. is your best lineup can't have – Seth Curry, Kyrie, and Patty Mills. Like you can't have three of your five best players combined to weigh like 200 pounds. That just won't work in the NBA. You can't have three guys that small in your best lineup. Um, so they they gotta yeah they gotta make some real roster changes. And a lot of people, you know, talk about Steve Nash, and I just feel like the way Kyrie is a known quantity. Steve Nash is an unknown quantity because he's never actually coached a team that had a chance. Like he coached a team whose second best player was James Harden in a wheelchair. And then he coached a team that whose second best player was Ben Simmons in a Gucci shirt on the side. Like it just, none of these that teams, it was, <laughs> that is, I mean, look, if there was a best dress category, this would be the first year it went to a guy who played zero games. <laughs> yeah, it's um they have some reevaluating to do for next season. But like you said, this year was a full was full of, you know, random mishaps and unfortunate events. So it's like, yeah, they underperformed, they didn't do well in the postseason, but did we really think that they were gonna win? I mean, I did in the beginning, let me not be let me be honest. I really thought they were gonna do better than they did, but I, don't know. I did too. I also to thought do. I also thought Joe Harris would be back before the end of the year. Um, mm -hmm. and obviously I didn't anticipate them having to trade James Harden at the halfway point and all that stuff. Um, yeah. what I just said about Steve Nash though, if I could fire him and hire Don Staley for this team, I would in a heartbeat. Like, I feel like that's exactly no, the kind of voice <laughs> you can't, we can't do the thing where we try to hire away to every NBA team. No, like Don Staley on the Jazz. What about Don Staley on Portland? What about Don? Staley? We can't play that game for the, for the whole off season. No, because, I, well, we can, but, and obviously maybe this is just because I'm a female athlete, but I feel like an NBA coach shouldn't be the best possible, like, goal to get to. Like, she's doing amazing in college, and if that's what she wants to do, then, like, True. you know, keep her there. Like, I don't well, want I think... to just assume that her top goal is to be on the NBA side when that's not what everyone wants. So, sticking up for my women, seeing, no, she's not leaving, she's not going nowhere because she want to be right where she's at. Well, I, she I would... Be good. Don't get me wrong. But. I, I hear that for sure. I But I also think, like, we can say being a pro coach beats being a college coach at the end of the day, right? Like, um, no? You won't you I won't go that far? I'm, no, I don't know. because it's different. I mean, okay, monetary-wise, there's different things. Well, honestly, college She's getting paid, though. Women. Exactly. So, well, NBA versus college might be different. But, oh, um, <laughs> um, but no, because for college and pros, it's just a different game. So it depends on how well you can talk to your players, like what exactly you want to be in control of, because as pros, you get more freedom. 
than you do as um, a college player. So it doesn't necessarily mean that that every coach wants to coach pro versus college. No, Otherwise, Gino would have been Gino would have been coaching in the pros if that's what he wanted. But true, he has a particular he has a particular style, and you know you could kind of tell college kids to do more than what you could tell pros to do. So, not necessarily every coach wants to deal with professionals because a lot of us do have egos. Not saying I do, but like us as pros, <laughs> everyone else except you. No, but uh, <laughs> I I hear that part of it, and I I do think like yeah, you can definitely do more as a college coach. But to me, the big difference is that, at least in theory, college players shouldn't be thinking about their sport 24-7, but pro players should. Because just, you know, college players, not all of them are going to go pro. So for a lot of them, that degree matters. Like, they should, even, even an elite team like South Carolina, there probably are three or four women on that team that should be prioritizing their pre-med degree or whatever over basketball. Whereas once you're at the pro level, that's not that's not the the dynamic at all. So that's to but me like the difference. About, do you think about your job twenty four seven though? Because to <laughs> me, it sounds like I should only think about my job during business hours. So I feel like you can't expect every pro athlete to just like go home, eat, sleep, wake up, and be in a gym for twenty six or twenty four hours well, a day. Well, ultimately, most people are thinking about their dating life way more than their job, no matter what. And that's true college athletes, pro athletes, for sure. So I'm talking, like, let's say we take a random person on on the South Carolina women's team, random person on the Aces. I would expect the person on the Aces to be thinking about basketball more than the person on South Carolina. But at the same time, okay. I would also expect both of them to be thinking about boys or girls or both more than basketball because we're humans, you know, like, as much as Kevin Durant is going off, like as if Kevin Durant is going off on Twitter right now, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's tweeting something. I hope on Snapchat, he's also messaging people. I hope he's not just worried about basketball. I hope he's also worried about, you know, having a healthy social life balance. I mean, yeah, I would say that. I would hope that pro athletes think about their sport more than a college athlete. I wouldn't say that the rest of the time you need to think about your dating life. Because there's other things in life that are more important. Yeah. What's ultimately what what's more important? For real, though, maybe you could say, like, oh, family. But ultimately, yeah, family. in terms of the trajectory <laughs> of your life, what's more important? I mean, shit. Okay. I don't you know. start putting your job too far over your day in life, you end up like Lil Wayne, like the best rapper ever in somehow in nine relationships with like 14 kids you gotta you gotta put the dating life above the career ultimately I above i just feel like you know focus on the sport and then dating sure. life will come but i don't think it needs to be you know that's a whole other conversation <laughs> it doesn't matter all i'm saying is no one needs to think about their sport 24 7 like you got to be human and just kind of decompress which is what kevin Rand is doing right now now that they got swept from the playoffs True. Sometimes. Well, two two <laughs> people with a very healthy work work life balance. Well, actually, I don't know how. Like Giannis and Jason Tatum, it seems like their whole life is either being a basketball player or being a dad, which in some way is cool. But then it's like, do you guys do you guys watch TV? Like, what else is going on? Like, anytime you're either doing basketball stuff, but you know it's working for them. So of the so let's go back to the East. Who do, who do you have more faith in right now between the Heat, the Bucks, 
and the Celtics. And I think those are the, I don't know who's, who's the other team. Oh, and the Sixers, I guess, are the other team, but I feel like everybody has the Sixers fourth in terms of how much faith. I mean, some people think the Sixers won't even get past the Raptors. So yeah. Who are your favorites Um, in the East? Probably I'm going to go heat. And then. uh, Do I want to say Celtics? I think I'm just still mad that they beat them. So I feel like because they beat Brooklyn, they got to do better than what I expected them to do when the playoffs started. So I'm going to go Heat first and then Celtics and then Milwaukee. I'm a Celtics hater, so I'm going to go Heat, (laughs) Milwaukee, then the Celtics. And I know that I'm supposed to be – I should be so impressed by the Celtics because I had the Nets as a favorite after the Heat, but I just look at it like – I mean, we didn't get – a KD A plus game. And I feel like that was what I was betting on was KD just getting A pluses every game. And then the other thing is that game one thing was bullshit. And it is really hard to win a series. Like you remember a few years ago with, uh, or might've been last year. It was last year with Miami, Milwaukee, where Miami lost game one to Milwaukee in a heartbreaking way. And it's just like, it's hard to win a series when, you lose yeah. heartbreakingly in game one. Or like when JR shot at the, or didn't shoot at the mm-hmm. end of whatever series that was, and you kind of just, that was a game that they could have, should have had. LeBron just Venmoed you for bringing that up. Uh, yeah, you know. That's LeBron's fourth and a half <laughs> ring that he, he wears when no one else is around. Yeah, so, but like things like that, when you lose a game that you should have won, it kind of can just change momentum and just be draining. So it is unfortunate that game one. I, I mean, I still don't know if Brooklyn would have won the series if they would have won that first game, but I think they would have felt better. Or maybe, I don't know, it's hard to say. You never know. There's always so many what-ifs and what could have happened, what should have happened, but we'll never know because it didn't happen. For sure. And I think I'm just looking up right now uh, when Chris Middleton's going to come back because, like, the I mean, that's kind of been the slept-on thing where, you know, everybody knows that the Suns aren't title contenders without Devin Booker. But I feel the same way about Milwaukee. Like, if Chris Middleton doesn't come back, um, I mean, they might beat Chicago, which Chicago should write the Nets a thank you letter because Chicago had one great game. But otherwise, this has been a very disappointing playoffs for them. I mean, they weren't even really close. So they don't – I don't think they know exactly when Middleton will come back. It's kind of like the Devin Booker thing where they're going to try to rush it um, because mm-hmm. it's the playoffs, which is understandable. But, yeah, so going to that series, are you more impressed by Milwaukee or disappointed in Chicago? Um, I'm a little disappointed in Chicago. I mean, I feel like Milwaukee's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, but Chicago, I just wanted a little bit, a little bit more, you know. So yeah. maybe it'll, what's it, three to one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe they'll get a second game, but I don't know. I don't see it happening, but I'm a hope. Yeah, I mean, the the big problem for the Bulls is I think that when, like, people who had faith in the Bulls, they believed that they're, like, they just believed that Zach Levine could be the best player in a playoff series. Like, that was the dynamic where people imagined the Bulls beating teams in seven-game series. It's like, okay, we'll rely on DeMar DeRozan and Vucevic, to carry us for to keep us level for three quarters, but then Zach Levine will take over stretches and and he hasn't. And this might be a tough series for him because Milwaukee's so physical, but 
yeah. I don't know. I mean, I was a Zach Levine optimist too. So I, I thought that the series would be a lot more competitive. Yeah. I just feel like it was, I mean, yeah, I just can't see Chicago kind of pulling it together at this point. I think it's a little too late, I think, especially with last year's run, Milwaukee has the experience. Experience plays a lot. I know I keep saying it, but it plays a major role in any type of playoff um, scenario. So I think at this point, you know, Milwaukee just has upper hand and it's kind of been showing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you got Miami, Boston, then Milwaukee. So um do you have them do you have them pretty close or do you have miami way out in front uh i got miami way out in front now yeah yeah i was i was a little hater in the beginning i'm not gonna lie i didn't think they were gonna perform as well as they have been so i was being a little hater but you know i admit when i've been wrong but i think they're a really good team they play well together and I think they have a really good chance at winning the whole thing, depending on if Devin Booker gets back or not. It's crazy in the playoffs what a big difference a coach makes because you got these regular season coaches that are great at keeping guys on track, to, you know, keep a team like giving maximum effort throughout the regular season and having a, a pretty solid strategy for the most part, like a consistent night to, like strategy that works in most scenarios. But when you have a guy like Spolstra or Nick Nurse, it's just completely different. Like you see these coaches making adjustments and the team goes from like, like the Heat and the Hawks were playing pretty level and then Spolstra made some adjustments and then they just, the Heat started dominating them. And you saw yeah. the same thing with the Celtics where the Celtics and Nets were pretty level and then the Celtics made a couple adjustments, started dominating them. And with Toronto, it was the other thing where they were getting dominated and then they make some adjustments and now it's mm -hmm. like, okay, Embiid's going to have to give you 50 to steal this last game so that you can escape this series that you probably would lose if it was an 11 game series and not a seven game series. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine 11 games? Jesus. Who, who would be your team? Who would be your, now everything I said about the Warriors in an 11 game series, I'm picking the Warriors because every single other NBA offense is unsustainable besides just taking shots from the logo. Yeah. Uh, 11 game series. Yeah. I'd probably go Golden State. Uh, there would be so point, many injuries. One of them, yo, first game, Steph Curry going for 50. Second game, Clay going for 50. Third game, Poole going for 50. Like every other day is gonna be someone different. Like that would just be so annoying. It's then like, yeah, then it would be the Draymond game, and then they would lose that game by thirty. They're like, why? Wait, why did we have Draymond take thirty shots? Oh, we were just rotating. Why? Why did yeah, we do that? Just, he was next in rotation. Um, yeah, that would be their offense. Like anyone could really go off at any point. So that would be the the hardest to guard for a incredibly long series if there was ever eleven. But that's ridiculous. Like why would yeah. you do that? The season would end in August and then have to start again in <laughs> October. <laughs> that would be terrible. Man, imagine the Lakers in an 11-game series. Anthony Davis would leave and come back like four different times throughout the series. Yeah, like, oh, he's out for games two and three, <laughs> but he'll be back for four and five. Oh, he's out for six and seven, but he'll be back for game 11. Like, no. It would literally take a month. That would be awful. <laughs> so bad. It would be – I mean, it would be too brutal. So uh, – is there any team? So of the the Nets are the Nets are a disappointment, but they have a clear path moving forward. But with the Bulls and with the Hawks, 
do you think that those teams should and I guess we could even include the the Lakers in this like do you think that these teams should run it back next year or or just uh do something completely different or what change would you make for those three teams because I feel like those are the teams that had high hopes that don't have a clear path forward like what change would you make for each of them um the Lakers I think they need to bring in a few younger people um I would like to see Westbrook back again but I just know that's not gonna happen um me, me too I, yeah just because you know AD was hurt and then it was just a lot like I said do you want to hear my scapegoat do you want to hear my Lakers scapegoat sure let's hear it Dwight Howard that's who I oh think. My gosh. I just think that his energy, which is so like positive and chill, since he's gotten a ring, it's like he just treats everything like it's gravy, like they lose and he's smiling. I think that if they replace Dwight Howard with an intense, angry, younger center with a chip on his shoulder, I feel like that changes the whole dynamic because LeBron can't be mean. Like when people talk about, Oh, LeBron can do everything on a basketball court. The one thing he can't really do is be mean, like it comes, especially to his teammates. Like it just comes across as passive aggressive. So you kind of need a scary presence um, at at that center position. In, in a weird way, like okay. the thing that we talked about Memphis and Minnesota having in Pat Bev and Dylan Brooks, that was the thing that the Lakers didn't have because all of their vets, whether it was Ariza or Melo. But like that's why I don't even blame Russ because the other vets on that team, like Melo and Ariza and Dwight Howard, were so chill. And to me, that was the ultimate downfall of the team. Was like they were behind in the standings, and these vets were chill. And then the the young guys were taking their cues from these legends who didn't care enough or didn't mm-hmm. show it enough. I mean, I could see that. I, I do feel like what's happened to the locker room is not always what it seems like on social media. So I'm sure that True. there was more urgency than what they're showing off. But I do think they need someone who acts like more of a dog, you know, who's going to be more in your face or who's known to be more like in your face and try to like rally the troops um, or whatever. So I feel like they are missing that, um, at least for parts of the season. But then again, it sucks when, you know, for over half a year, you know, someone, some major person is injured or can't play, so they never really gelled or meshed. So I don't know. Like I said, I want to see Westbrook back. I know it's not going to happen. I do want them to bring in, like, some younger, like, fighters and more energy players. I think that would help them a lot because along with the, you know, young, raw talent, the go, the go-getters that have a lot of energy, you have the veteran leadership that can kind of focus it in the right direction, if that makes sense. So that's what... I would think if I was nah. a Lakers GM, but I don't have specific names in mind, which is why I'm not trying to be a GM, but that's, you know, no, I, I, I agree with you on that. So going to Atlanta, um, do you think that they can keep the core of Trey Young and Collins? Or do you think that, um, do you think that they got to change and, and to a lesser extent um, Bogdanovich, or do you think that they, uh, need to change things around Trey. And we forgot the ultimate, I mean, they haven't been eliminated yet, but the uh, the ultimate team that people want to shake up, which is the Utah Jazz. So we can we can mention them at the end too. But yeah, with the Hawks, what, would you change anything? Would you change the core? Would I mean, I think they have a good coach. Wanna, so that's, yeah. I want to change it. Not yet. I mean, they're still young. Um, I think they have a good core. I think 
they just need a little more time together. They need more consistency. I think they need just a little more time. And they didn't do like that bad. I mean, it wasn't good, nah. but they didn't do that bad. Um, That's so true. I would, I would keep them around. Uh, maybe just try to add some, you know, better, you know, role players or some more, you know, leadership. But I think for the most part, don't break up it. Don't break up the core just yet. And yeah. for Utah, yeah, they can change everything. Yeah, I, they got. I agree with you with Utah. Up. Pick. I mean, I think Utah should either build around Donovan Mitchell or build around none of them. Like if you're going to go, Donovan Mitchell doesn't want to be here and he's going to escape at the first opportunity, then I would completely change everything because mm-hmm. I I just think that um if if you're key, if you get rid of Donovan Mitchell, then this team is not even really competing in the West and yeah. If you're keeping Donovan Mitchell, then you need to put young. You really need to emulate what Memphis is doing, but mm-hmm. around Donovan Mitchell the way they did around Job. Because yeah. it's it watching the Jazz, it feels like the rest of the team is kind of in quicksand. Where every every year, every day, every week, the guys around Donovan Mitchell get a little bit older and are a little bit not as good, and he's looking at them like. I'm the only player on this team that's getting better. And it's not even it's not even his fault or anybody's fault. It's just like their window was last year. So the, mm-hmm. when talking about the Hawks, the Hawks, I think it's like, I agree with you that they shouldn't change anything, but I think next year will be like, oh, another disappointment year. The Hawks need to change everything. I just think it's premature now, but I don't yeah. think they're gonna get they're gonna fix things. So I think next year will be like they need to change. Utah needed to change things last year. Last year was the disappointment year. They were kind of always going to be worse this year, especially after Ingles got hurt. Yeah. Unless, you know, unless Donovan Mitchell took over the league. And, uh, yeah, I just – I don't see how they could be better next year. So they either tear it down completely or tear it down around Donovan. Yeah, I, I agree. They got to they gotta switch it up. Like, at this point, it's just not – I just feel like it's been disappointing. Yeah. It's very – disappointing so yeah they need to switch it up who was the other team you asked about the bulls and for me i think that the bulls just need more intensity at the head coach position i think the way we talked about coaches who are great during the regular season like that's what billy donovan as an nba coach is to me he's a guy who gets teams to provide maximum effort during the regular season but if i i mean I, i believe that if the bulls had a coach like on the nurse or Spolster level, they would be real contenders with this roster. So it's either they got to make a big change at coach or they have to make a big change at center. Cause we talked about it last episode, but it's like, mm-hmm. if, if Vucevic is your center, he's got to be giving you high twenties, low thirties, because he's not going to be impactful defensively. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's the best way to the best way to put it. They just need a little more intensity overall. But it's I don't know with the coaching thing. I feel like at the end of the day, coaches, of course, they matter. But as a pro, I feel like you're supposed to be responsible for your own energy, your own. This is the playoffs. This is what we got to do. Like coaches need to be good with the X's and O's and put you in the right positions or have the right game plan. But at the end of the day, the players are the ones that are on the court. And a coach can only do so much. So that's kind of like, 
I think some teams, some teams are bring the intensity and I don't think they need their coach for that. Like whether it's Memphis or Minnesota or Milwaukee to me, like I don't think they're getting their intensity from coach bud. They're just an intense team. But I think that there are a lot of guys around the league. Like, I don't know if Miami plays nearly as hard with a different coach. I think that Spo is such a big deal for keeping them focused. Toronto, same thing. I, I think that the reason that they're competitive in the series right now, it doesn't have to be a guy being like rah, rah, rah. It can mm-hmm. be like, I think Toronto has a guy that's like, I believe in you. You should believe in me. Like, if you handle stuff on your end, I'm going to put you in a position to succeed. Yeah. And I think just to be more bought in, I guess, mm-hmm. is a better way to phrase it. Okay, yeah, I could see that. I can see that. Uh, it's still a little, eh, I don't know. I feel yeah. like they should change a, change a few players. Don't completely abandon the system. Um, but like you said, someone else at center or just, yeah, that's tough. Or he's and this team, can defend. this team in the also, East when you got the center, when you got to go against like Embiid, who's going to give you 50, he's not going to outscore Embiid. But like, you got to, not saying that Embiid just comes around. There's just players that are as good as him that you could just scoop up, <laughs> but it's, it's hard. It's a tough, it's a tough situation. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that the Bulls were also designed to kind of play through Lonzo. Like, even though the Lonzo was going to be, you know, the fifth scorer on the team, the ball was still designed to kind of go through him. Like he was like the quarterback and he missed Mm -hmm. most of the season. So maybe they get better just through that. But yeah, watching the series, it does kind of remind me of a boxing match where one of the guys – even though they're at equal or similar skill levels, one of the guys just doesn't like being hit way more than the other guy. So you have one guy who he Milwaukee, they get hit, they play harder and mm-hmm. Chicago, they get hit and they go, you know, uh, uh, Jamaica would be a nice place to go during the off season. <laughs> Cancun. That's where they're going. Cancun. <laughs> is it Cancun? Cancun feels to be like, it feels like low class, not plugged in. Like if you have like a travel agent, like these NBA guys, they're hiring not just any travel agent, but like some Cornell hotels and management major to be their travel agent. Like I feel like it should be like Bali or Bora Bora or something. Like Cancun That's so to me. Far, though. Cancun, true. You could just hop on a flight for depending on where you go. Billy from Cali, it's probably like two hours. I don't even know. I made that up. But from Florida, <laughs> can't probably like four or five. I don't know. So it's close. I feel like that's the only reason. Do you know do you know where Cancun is? Cancun is on in eastern Mexico. It's way closer to Florida than you're thinking of like Tijuana. Tijuana is right next to San Diego. Cancun's the one that's right next to Florida. What's on the west coast of Mexico? Tijuana. Which, Acapulco. Like Acapulco is oh, on the west coast. Cancun's on the other side. Yeah. All right. You know what? We gotta. I was never. A, I was never a geography major. Okay. I live in Europe. I don't live yeah. in America anymore. Oh, that's so that's a good matter. out. That's a good out. If we were talking about European geography, first of all, I was never a geography major. Not a good out. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody is a geography. You can't be a geography major at college. Like no college kid is like okay. So for my finals. I named the countries in Scandinavia. No, I'm really good at geography, but it's a really good app to be like, look, if this was Europe, I could tell you about Sardinia. I could tell you where Estonia was located, but 
Mexico. That's not my expertise. I like that. You out. know what? Listen, I was born in Iowa. That's the middle of the country. I went True. to college in Connecticut. That's East Coast. I played in New York for six years. East Coast. I literally played half a season in Vegas. So I was on the West Coast for half of a summer. Okay. And then in between all those times, I've been in Europe. I don't know nothing about where Mexico is at. I know where Cali is. I know. <laughs> I mean, I know where Mexico is at. I just couldn't. You know yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. I'm not from there. So you know that what? sounds so bad. If, if you're if uh, if you're listening right now, please uh, send Kia some some Instagram information. Just send her. You know how they got like the slides where they tell you the seven thing. Like the person shares it in your stories in their stories, and you go to the story, and then you you realize it's like one out of seven slides. So just if you're a fan of the show, just send Kia slides about Mexico. She needs to know more uh. about Mexico. That's the thing we've learned from this show. Um, and and where can they find you on social media? Uh, Instagram and Twitter at kstokes41. And you can hit me up at Will Posnan. Thanks, uh, thanks for listening to this episode, and thanks, Kia, uh, for for making the time. Well, of course, thanks, guys. All right, see you next week. <laughs>